Are you white clawing at 2 p.m. in mm-hmm. the afternoon? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Way to live. It's going to be I a am. good show then, because as everyone knows, there aren't any laws when you're drinking <laughs> claws. <laughs> so we're ready to go. Welcome to my nameless podcast. This time we are joined by Mike Darnay of Pennsburg. Mike, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Thank you. Um, yeah, so part of the reason I wanted to talk to you, um, first of all, is because you're a Penguins fan, and I think that sometimes it's important that Flyers fans acknowledge that Penguins fans are human people that we can like and enjoy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if if we go back to 2017, when the Penguins played the Flyers in the stadium series in Pittsburgh, I think I went to the game with a contingent of more Flyers fans than I did Penguins fans. It's good nice. to it's good to integrate. It is. We we can live together in harmony, I think. Um so the first thing I'm gonna ask you is the same first thing I've been asking everyone, which is why are you a hockey fan and what makes you love it so much? Um I don't I don't really know why. I just kind of started watching it and like everybody else, it's easy to fall in love with it. Right? It is super easy. How old were you when you got into it? Um, probably early teens. Okay. So you came to it, like, consciously then, yeah, unlike yeah. people kind of watching it. Yeah, I mean, I was only five and six years old when the Penguins won the two Cups in the early 90s. Mm-hmm. And then um, I kind of grew up as Mario Lemieux was getting into and out of his prime and then he missed time and then they were really bad yeah (laughs) they were bad for a little while there (laughs) but uh it's nice to talk to somebody who got on board before the Crosby era because there are a lot of people I mean and I people shit on Penn's fans for that like oh where were you before Crosby but like the fact of the matter is, and I think that Flyers fans might have been a little bit humbled over the last few years and kind of figured this out, that when a team is bad, um, people don't want to watch them. <laughs> yeah, and, and you combine it with the fact that there was a season canceled, and mm-hmm. then they won a lottery to get the best player, right? and then, and then they got good. All those things together kind of brought people along. Yeah, because uh, the Flyers have had a very empty Wells Fargo Center for the last couple of years because the team has been absolute garbage and no one wants to pay several hundred dollars to go watch a bunch of garbage on like a Tuesday night. Yeah, and even when I feel like when they have been quote-unquote good, they have not really had an identity and that sometimes is worse than being bad. That's true. And they were boring too. So boring and bad and no personality is like a a real fun way to get people in the building. So yeah, I mean, I think Dave Hextall was very similar to Mike Johnston that nobody knew what the Penguins were. Mm-hmm. So another thing that I wanted to talk to you about because I find it really interesting. So um, if you don't follow Mike on Twitter, you're a pretty pretty active hockey Twitter person. I find yeah, and which, which oh, not right now because there's no there's no hockey, hockey. yeah. Are you white clawing at 2 p.m. in mm-hmm. the afternoon? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Way to live. It's going to be I a am. good show then. Because as everyone knows, there aren't any laws when you're drinking <laughs> claws. <laughs> so we're ready to go. Um, but a thing that I have thought was really cool about you is that over the last few years, as like someone who follows you on Twitter, 
I've kind of seen you go from like doing photography as kind of a hobby and then getting a really good at it and then getting paid for it and then it becoming um at this point is it is it your job uh it is a part-time job i freelance for a local paper here in my area um but sad news is pennsylvania canceled school for the rest of the academic year which means i probably won't have any work until august yeah that's a bummer everything is a bummer right now yeah yeah it's tough so what got you into photography um, I always just kind of liked it and would do like walk around the city taking landscapes. And I always wanted to get into doing sports stuff. And I kind of one day actually just kind of pitched myself to the editor of the paper asking oh. if they needed any extra help. And he was like, well, yeah, go do this game for me. And if it works out well, we'll go from there. And it just kind of went from there. And the more I did it, the better I got at it. And then you start making money from it and you can upgrade equipment and get better at it and just kind of amazing. Yeah. And I mean, for two years I was working like six days a week between both jobs, shooting games like three, four nights a week. So you kind of just get better at it the more you do it. Yeah. Well, I didn't really sleep a whole lot, um, but I think I've slept more in the last three weeks while quarantine than I did in, the previous six months so <laughs> it, it's all kind of catching up there's not a lot to do besides uh sleep and eat and drink and binge television shows i've been getting very good at sleeping um netflix um binge drinking and cooking that's about it nice these are yeah. all fine activities i think yeah yeah what have you been watching on netflix um i just started watching the office i've never watched it um, really I am through two and a half seasons in about four days. Wow. How do you find it? How do you find it as like a first time watcher? Because I've heard people say that it doesn't hold up. I think it's pretty good so far. Yeah. I always thought I, I kind of was like a casual office person when it was on television, like normally. Yeah. I always thought it was funny. It kind of vibes with my dry sense of humor. Yeah, that's the thing. There's like a particular sense of humor that goes along with shows like that, that if it's not your humor, you're not going to like it. Like, I know people who um, hate a lot of shows like Trailer Park Boys because they don't like cringy humor. Like, it just makes them feel uncomfortable. So you kind of have to have like the right sense of humor. Which I can tell watching The Office, I can tell that it is 10 plus year old humor. Yeah, that's kind of the thing that I heard from people that it's like some of the jokes since everything has been canceled, like some of the jokes are like a little cancely. Yeah, and I mean it came out around the same time as like the whole Steve Carell crew movies like Anchorman and mm-hmm. um I Love You Man and all those that whole movie and TV team are all in the show and um I think I feel like some of the people on the show might have been canceled by now. Probably. I'm not, I'm not sure. I can't keep up with everybody who's canceled. I just assume that I assume that everyone's canceled until I learn that they are uncanceled <laughs> and that I can proceed safely. That's <laughs> probably a good way. I almost got myself canceled because Charlie, our pal Charlie. Mm-hmm. Um, so we at at Broad Street Hockey, we're just like doing random podcasts because we have nothing else to do with our time. And so Charlie started doing one where he talks about music and movies because Charlie likes music and movies. 
And so for each show, we like listen to an album, watch a movie, and we talk about it. So I was on this week, and I made him watch the movie Snatch. And in discussing this, learned that calling Irish travelers pikeys is like extremely derogatory. I, <laughs> I had absolutely <clears throat> no idea. I have not seen Snatch. I have not seen very many movies at all. It's oh, you're some... like a Steph Driver. You don't movie. I I just don't. I <laughs> I have I have movies that I like and I rewatch them over and over and over, but I don't watch new movies ever. Okay. Okay. It, just it, like as a, a firm personal ethos, I will not I just, watch a movie. <laughs> I, 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 I think part of it came from spending so many years working so much that anytime I watched a movie, I would fall asleep. Um, and now okay. that I now that I have more free time, I, I'm trying to watch more shows and watch more movies. Fair. It is a it is like a, a commitment. Because you have to sit still for like two entire hours. Well, that's why I like The Office because it's only twenty-minute episodes without commercials on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Nice. Anything else you've been watching that's good? Did you get into Tiger King like everyone else on? I did. Yeah. That wasted. Yeah, half a, I'm not half gonna. A, I don't really half, feel like talking about half a day. Half a day. Half a day. Well, it, was, Although, it, was only, it was only like six hours, so. Yeah. To be fair, I got through I think all but two episodes the first day <laughs> I started yeah. watching yeah. it. Because it was uh, the kind of train wreck that you can't really look away from. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you watch... So one of the things that I know we talked before that we're going to get into, and it's probably going to be the bulk of the show, so everyone get ready, is like cooking and yes. food shows. Have you been... There's quite a lot of like good foodie content on Netflix. Have you been watching any of that? The only food content on Netflix that I remember watching was... Um, a few years back, I watched Chef's Table. Okay. And, and then recently, maybe within the last year, I watched Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat. Oh, I loved that so much. Yeah, and it, it was good because it was only, I think, four episodes. Yeah. Um, that's really all I've watched as far as that stuff goes. I watch a lot of YouTube videos about cooking. Are you a Bon Appetit YouTube person? No, I just watch like... A lot of recipes, not any particular channel. I'm gonna. I feel like I have to make you a list now, Mike. You're okay. missing a lot of stuff. So on Netflix in particular, Ugly Delicious is very good. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure you know David Chang, the chef, yes. the Momofuku guy. Mm-hmm. It's it's essentially him in kind of kind of like the Anthony Bourdain style of show. Um, but essentially what he does is like the first season, he picks a food that he really likes, like fried chicken or tacos or pizza or something. And he just like dives into all of the details, like people who make this food really good, where it comes from, like old Italian mumums who do it this way for this reason. Like it really just gets into it. And it's like super fun and really well shot and pretty. So it's a nice thing to watch if you're into that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And then, are you a bake-off person? I am not. I don't particularly bake, um, but I kind of do. Um, (laughs) You're probably going to start if this goes on much longer. Well, (laughs) I don't, but then back over the holidays, I made a couple cheesecakes, and they were, like, the best thing I've ever seen. So, (laughs) because I, I have this, I have this, I have a compulsive problem. Not with food and cooking, but 
with everything that I I am kind of a perfectionist. Mm-hmm. So like I researched making cheesecake for like a week before I did it the first time. Okay. So like I had watched, I read about it and watched videos and got ideas and and then I executed. Yeah, and as a result, you turned out with perfect cheesecake. Exactly. Yeah. So it's worth the time. Baking is really satisfying like that because I feel like with cooking. So you cook a lot and I cook a lot. We have that in common. Mm-hmm. I find that with cooking, it's kind of like you're in it the whole time, right? Like you can taste things as you're going. You can mm-hmm. add random shit. You can make things up. But with baking, it's like you have to follow a specific set of instructions. And then you place this thing into the oven and it's like in the hands of the gods. Like you don't yeah. know what's going to happen in there. You can't fix it once it's in. Which is part of why I don't like baking because I like being hands-on and having control yeah. over it the whole time. But but the satisfaction of like doing all the steps and sticking it in the oven and then the cheesecake comes out and yes. it's perfect. That's kind of nice. It is, yeah. I used uh, to bake a lot and I don't much anymore, but it was my favorite thing. Speaking of baking, why in Christ's name is everybody making sourdough bread right now? I don't know. I, I think it's somehow we're all like it's, I think it's, turning it, I, into World War II housewives. I feel like everybody's doing it because everybody's doing it. Well, like, that that for sure. Um, also, I feel like it's one of those things where I guess if you've always kind of thought maybe I'll bake bread sometime and see how that goes, like this is yeah, the time, this is the time to do well, it. Because I don't know, I haven't. Um, I'm still in Canada, so I don't know what's going on down there. I don't know if it's like hard to buy bread normally. Uh, I don't. I don't know if it's so hard to buy it, but people don't want to go out and buy it if they don't have to. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's true. And also, homemade bread is, like, so good that it'll, like, change your life and then you can't go back. Yeah, I guess flour is hard to find now, though, because everybody's been buying flour to make bread. Which is weird. And I like that people are doing sourdough, too, which is, like, kind of, like, advanced level yeah. bread. Like, they're just if, if, right if, into it. If I decide to make bread, I'm going to make a baguette. I think that's a—see, that's the way that I like to go. Um, My friends that I'm staying with here— They've baked a couple of loaves, but they have been doing brioche, which mm-hmm. is, like, good. Yeah. But if if I were to choose to make a bread, I would want, like, a crusty yeah. loaf, like, something really good like that that you can really spread some butter on. <laughs> <Get into it. laughs> so have you always been someone who's been interested in cooking, or is this kind of a new thing for you? Um, Probably within the last five years or so, particularly within the last couple of years. Cool. What made you get into it? Just like, oh, I have to eat food, so I'm going to cook it. Yeah, well, um, I think becoming an adult and, like, learning not fine dining, but, like, good restaurants and actually having good food and then realizing that I can make something close to this at home. And I don't, like, when you eat good food, you feel good. (laughs) Yeah, right? It's like, you know, you could make, like a can of tomato soup and a grilled cheese. Yeah. Which is fine now and then. You can make a, a steak. Yeah. And, and like I perfectly think, roasted broccoli or something. I, I think also the social aspect of it when you share a good meal with people. Yeah, I love that's my favorite thing. That's why I like going out to restaurants so much and I miss it a lot. And I hope that a lot of them are still around when this is over. Yeah. Is that just like being with your friends 
and having really good food and some drinks and you're just like it's a wonderful experience yeah i mean even now like sharing pictures of food with friends while we're all stuck at home yeah it's nice right yeah like seeing that people are still able to enjoy something in life mm-hmm. so for me i um after college before i decided that i wanted to be like an actual functional adult i spent a lot of time working in in a very bougie restaurant mm-hmm. with like a chef that was like the stereotypical like Thomas Keller crazy pants yelling throwing things but also like a ridiculous genius with the food like the food was amazing and so I kind of got into the fancy stuff which is problematic because it's hard to shake so now like me and Steph Driver every now and again have our fancy yeah, dinner yeah. dates where we go to an extremely bougie restaurant What's and, the um, nicest restaurant you've ever been? Not Maybe not nicest restaurant, but best restaurant. So Steph took me to... Um, you watch Top Chef, right? Yes. The guy from Philly that won, Nick Elmy. Okay. She took me to his restaurant, Laurel, for mm-hmm. my birthday. And it was a nine-course tasting menu, to which we added on... An addition, which was uh, butternut squash gnocchi and some kind of cream sauce. And when they brought it to the table, they also brought with them a white truffle and just shaved white truffle (laughs) all over the top of this gnocchi. It was one of those meals. Like, I know a lot of people listening to this this probably don't like the idea of one of those, like, frou-frou, shishi, fancy restaurants. They're great, though. But I I think less... See, in that kind of a restaurant, I think less about it as, like, food and more about it as, like, art. Yeah, it, that, it's, like, it's an, an experience. Yeah, and it's, it's more about <clears throat> that. And also, when you do a tasting menu, you're going to end up with some stuff that you've never had before that you would never order. Yeah. Um, like, I think that one of the courses was, like, uni, and I'd never had that before. That was pretty wild. Um, all the kind of stuff that you wouldn't have that that you kind of need someone who knows what they're doing to prepare it because otherwise you're just going to fuck it up and then it'll be gross and then you'll think you don't like it. Yeah, uh, one of the two places that come to mind for me, um, I was in Las Vegas a few years back and we did a, I think it was like a nine or a ten course tasting menu at um, Joel Robuchon's restaurant. Ooh. And we also splurged and did the specific wine pairing for each course. Oh, that's nice. It it was absurdly expensive and really probably not a good idea, but a great idea. Um, See, the the thing is, like, I I am not, like, the kind of person, like, I'm not, I don't do, like, women be shopping activities. Like, I don't buy a lot of stuff because I don't really care about it. Like, I don't spend a lot of money on that kind of stuff. But, like, Steph and I dropped, I think it was, like, almost $500 on this yeah. dinner. Yeah, and I like, think, <clears throat> I was going to say, I think this place for the three of us was, like, $1,200 or something. Yeah, and, like, is that absurd? Of course it is. It's yeah. ridiculous. But, you know, a couple of times a year, it's an experience that you're not going to forget. Like, I'm never going to forget that dinner. And it was... Something that I would never be able to recreate at home as hard yeah, as I tried. Like, I remember, I think it was the <clears throat> the first course was like a foie gras par- parfait or something. Yeah. Like, like, I can't make that. No, 
no, you can't do that because first of all, like I can remember like when I, I first learned about foie at the fancy restaurant that I worked in. And I remember one of the sous chefs like telling me what you have to do to like get that to the place where it's like this delicious thing that people eat. And it's a fuck ton of work and it's kind yeah. of gross stuff. Yeah. And so like, that's the kind of thing, like you're never going to go buy a lobe of foie at the supermarket and like bring it home and eat it for dinner because it's a crazy thing to do. But you let Joelle Robichon do it for Correct. you. And it's like, R.I.P. Wonderful. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Another place that we went to, she and I, we went to um, a really, really, really fancy sushi place in Philly called Hiroki. Mm-hmm. Um, it was one of uh, Morimoto's sous chefs that kind of branched out on his own and opened his own place. When I was and, in Philly, was a- not most recently, but the time before that, I went and did the lunch tasting menu at Morimoto. Oh, how was that? Fantastic. Yeah. So this place was also a tasting menu and we were lucky enough to get a table at the counter. So mm-hmm. the chefs were like right in front of us working. And it was like the craziest experience I've ever had because it wasn't just like prepared stuff coming out of the kitchen and being placed in front of you. Like the guy, like Hiroki was in front of us making us like these bites that he would hand like hand to you and be like, okay, eat this. And it was like incredible. It was just like crazy stuff. It was like, I like sushi, but this was like on another level sushi, just like made by someone who has studied it forever. Yeah. Like an actual master at it. And then at the end of the meal, he was like asking us what we liked, what we didn't like, like, would we change anything? What about if he did this? And I'm like, this is fucking wild. Yeah. uh, It was only, only I'm doing air quotes. It was like 120 bucks per person. But like we were there for like four hours and it was incredible. I have said to somebody in the past that the food scene in Philly is like New York quality at half the price. It's so good. I don't I hope that people realize that like Philly restaurants right now are like out of control good. Yeah, because like you because you probably have a lot of chefs who would like to have a restaurant in New York but can't afford to. Right. And also, I think it's just kind of like organically grown up here, like, and especially if you're into chefs, kind of like, I don't know, are you kind of like, I'm into them, like, in a celebrity way, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Um, one of the, I was going to say the other one on my list of probably two best that I've been to is Vernick in Philly. Oh, I've not been there. Was that good? Phenomenal. Um, I remember I went with a friend and we basically ordered like five or six things and kind of split everything. Um, the one thing nice. that we ha- the one thing that we had it was a special that night. It was like a roasted rabbit of some sort, mm-hmm. and it it felt kind of amusing. But with it, they served like carrot four different ways. There was like roasted carrots, with then shaved carrots on top of the rabbit, with pureed carrots, and it was like the the rabbit and the carrot was kind of kind of fun. Yeah, <laughs> that is fun. Yeah, Philly has like a ton of rather famous chefs like Michael Solomonoff who mm-hmm. does Zahav and he did Federal Donuts and now he's got like four or five places around the city like he's super famous and every one of his places even the fast casual ones are insanely good <clears throat> and they're like hard to get into a lot. oh my yeah so- like Zahav is my favorite restaurant in the city well yeah probably still but you can't get a table there ever like you have to I think that they open up the window like three months out 
So you have to kind of like, if you want a table in like December, you've got to think about that like three yeah. months in advance and hop onto like open table and hope that you can get one for Which, the three month date out. Last time I was there, I had no problems getting in anywhere because I was there by myself. Aha, and I have, that is, and I have absolutely no problem dining by myself. I used to have such a problem with it. It was. Once, think, you, once you get over it, it makes your life a lot easier. It's true. You do have to get over it, number one. Number two, um, you have to not have a bunch of, like, psychological hang-ups about food that's come from your past. <laughs> that's number two. Um, and also, you have to sit at the bar. Yeah. yeah. I, I tend to do that. A, I feel guilty taking up a table for four people when I'm by myself. Fair. Um, and B, if you're sitting by yourself, bartenders usually make good conversation. They do. Yeah, bartenders are good like that. Plus, um, if you're if you're dining by yourself and you sit at a bar, your food generally comes the minute that it's done. You're not sitting waiting for it. I have mm. found that yeah. I have found that to be the case. Um, that if you're sitting at a table where somebody is waiting on ten other tables, also, um, mm. your food might take a little while. When you're sitting at the bar, as soon as it's done, somebody's going to bring it out to you. Uh huh. Pro tips. Yeah. Mike Dernay. How's the food scene in Pittsburgh? It's not bad. Um, it's getting better. Um, but I don't go out a lot. I just, yeah. I, I like to cook at home. Yeah. What's, so what is the, um, cause I've seen your food picks. They all look good, particularly the steak. How do you do your steak? I do my steak with salt and pepper and then I uh -huh. put it on the, the grill on high for like six minutes aside, one flip only. And that's it. Uh-huh. Depends, depends on how thick it is. I yeah. can go like five, six, seven minutes, but that's about it. I really like a reverse sear. I, I like have not reverse. tried that yet. I like it because, I mean, you don't seem to have a problem getting it perfect in yeah. the middle. Um, but if you like, if, if you're someone who doesn't, isn't confident that you can cook your steak like perfectly medium rare, it, it's dis it's disappointing like, if you buy a nice steak and then you overcook it or it's raw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That kind of ruins the experience. I love a good steak. There's so many ways that people cook it too. Like you do the one flip, which I, I think I think also comes with. I've had the same grill for years, and I kind of know hot mm. spots, cool spots, so I know where to put it for that amount of time. Like yeah. if I came and used somebody else's grill, it might be an entirely different situation. Were you talking outdoor grill? Outdoor grill. Okay. See, I find I have learned over the last couple of years that I prefer both a steak and a burger in a cast iron skillet. I, I do like steak on cast iron, but it makes such a mess. It does make a mess. And also, you will set off your fire alarm. Yes, least. absolutely. <laughs> I got to the point in my, in my house um, where I, this is terrible, took the batteries out of the fire, <laughs> the fire alarm in the kitchen because I just set it off like every third day it yeah, was going yeah. off when I was trying to cook. It was like a really small room. There was just no avoiding it. So Especially, especially with the cast iron. Yeah, for sure. What has been the your most favorite thing that you kind of like jumped into blind that you never cooked before, but that you tried it and it came out really well? Um, let me look through some pictures here to jog my memory. Okay. Um, because I take pictures of everything I make. Why not? Um, ba dum ba dum ba dum. <laughs> Probably. Um. So, 
back, I guess this was probably back in early February, which feels like a lot longer than two months ago. Um, we had a thing at work where we were invited to bring something for like a team breakfast. Mm -hmm. um, and I found a recipe for this everything bagel casserole. Oh. And I made that and took it. Basically, you take like half a dozen bagels, mm -hmm. toast them, slice them up into little chunks. And then in your casserole dish, you throw in um, like red onion and tomatoes, chunks of cream cheese, your chunks of bagel, and then like a dozen eggs whipped up and top it off with like everything bagel seasoning. Uh -huh. and, bake, and bake it for like an hour it's almost like an everything bagel frittata and i took it to this team breakfast and when i went to have some it was all gone <laughs> you played yourself <laughs> making something that was too good that sounds um that's one of those things that sounds like equal parts extremely fucked up and equal parts amazing yeah. and delicious <laughs> so you don't bake are you a sweets person at all not particularly. Like, do you I, like them? I not really. I don't like chocolate. I do. I do salty and savory. Oh my god. I, just, I like. I mean, I'll eat chocolate, but I never crave it. Yeah. Whenever I meet people like you, I'm so envious because, like, all I want to do is eat Reese's cups, and I would yeah. really prefer if I just did not care about them. <laughs> I mean, the other way though, I ate a whole box of like hot and spicy Cheez-Its last night. Yeah. You know, yeah. balance. <laughs> yeah, that's the the problem is though that I would consume an entire box of Cheez Its, but then also mm -hmm. want Reese's cups. That's yeah, yeah. I just sweets just don't. I, I don't know. They're fine, but like, if somebody we we um last this was probably like two weeks before we got kicked out of working from the office. Um, we had like a big launch for something and there was cake and I didn't even have any because cake just doesn't interest me. You're a lucky man. <laughs> it's a good way to live. Um, meanwhile, I had like, I made myself egg salad, which I learned that a lot of people think is disgusting, but fuck all of you. Egg salad's delicious. I, I can't. Um, the only way I can eat eggs is scrambled. I don't, I can't do them any other way. You broke up a little bit there. What'd you say? Oh, I said I can't do eggs any other way but scrambled. Oh, really? Just can't. Okay. I don't know. Not People a fan. People are weird about eggs. Sometimes, yeah. I ha I mean, the only thing that I'm particular about with an egg is if it's being cooked like a fried egg or a sunny side up egg or something, I cannot have any jiggle in the white. The white must be completely cooked fully set because white. yeah because a, like a raw egg white is just like a a booger on the top of your egg that you want to eat i think it's a consistency thing it is for sure i find that 99 percent of not liking a food is consistency and not taste uh like like, like like oysters can't do them so like okay let's talk about oysters because i have a lot of strong opinions about this i don't understand the point of them because, first of all, you can't chew them because they're fucked up. Like, yeah. you can't yeah. bite into it. You have to simply 
Like I've only, I had oysters one time. It was because I was with people who were eating oysters and they were like, what do you mean you've never had an oyster? And I was like, I've just never had an oyster. And they were like, well, you gotta have one. I'm like, all right, whatever, fine. I did. It didn't taste like much. It tasted like the ocean, which I think is what it's supposed to taste like. Um, But like, I remember when I put the shell up to my mouth, like three people yelled, don't bite it or like, don't chew. And I was like, oh, okay. Because like, you can't chew it because it's disgusting. Like no one wants to chew that kind of thing. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, so I don't know why you would get any satisfaction of from like just letting like 20 slimy, salty things just like slide down your throat. Yeah, I, I can't, I can't, can't do it. No, but people put away like tons of oysters, I know, and I'm just I know. Like, where is the fun in this? No, like I, I love um like mussels, but I can't do oysters. I do like a mussel. They're they're they can if they're cooked improperly, they can get real weird yeah. texture wise. Also, they look like vaginas, which freaks me out <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> but but as far as shellfish go, they're pretty good. Yeah. I'm actually I for a long time thought that I didn't like seafood and then I uh, dated this guy who was um, from the Maritimes so he was like a seafood person and like we just I just tried a bunch of it and I was like fuck I really like this like oh I like sushi oh I like fish so then I went on like a year-long like self-discovery try all of the fishes thing and I found that quite a lot of them are really good I don't like I have found that I don't like freshwater like river fish like I like trout. an ocean fish. So I find no, like a river so, fish, like a trout or something. They taste a little bit like dirt. Like no trout, no sea bass. I think I've been okay with sea bass. I don't think I've had like regular bass from a lake. Yeah, I'm trying to think other. Yeah. Like uh, tilapia, I don't love. It tastes like dirt, like fish. How about, how about, <clears throat> how about salmon? Salmon, I don't hate it, but I don't love it because I find that a lot of times it goes a little to the fishy side. Yeah, it it can. Yeah, I don't love when things are like super duper fishy, but like a white fish, I love like a haddock mm-hmm. or cod or whatever. Those are awesome. Halibut, that's really good. I don't, and so I don't like shrimp, but it's 100% a texture thing. Yeah, it, yeah, it, especially if it's not cooked right. I feel like it. I feel like I'm eating a bug when I eat shrimp, which I kind of am. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> but I don't mind lobster or crab, mm-hmm. which is interesting. This is the most random podcast ever. That's fine. Yeah. yeah. I always say that, like, if people get to minute 35 and they decide this is stupid and they want to turn it off, that's fine. <laughs> I've already been paid. <laughs> You've already listened. Um, yeah, so seafood is weird that way. It, but texture is definitely a thing. Like, I went to Asia, and I have, like, a, a very firm I don't say no to anything on vacation policy. Yeah, that's fair. Um, especially, like, in a foreign country. Like, I'm trying everything. And if I don't like it, I don't like it, but I'm trying it. So over there, I did find that everything that I didn't like was just because it was an extremely weird texture and biting into it just skeeved me out. Yeah, like even with sushi, I love sushi, but I can't do the stuff that has the eel on it. Mm. Yeah, eel is a weird. <clears throat> sure. 
I can do pretty much anything else, but not that. Yeah. I don't like the, uh, I don't like mackerel on the sushi tray. No, if I've had that. I feel like every time I get like a, like some kind of combo, like whatever chef's thing, whatever. And that's the one that tastes like super fishy and it has like kind of a silvery skin on it. Don't love that one. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, I went for like so long thinking that I didn't like it. And then I, I really did. So it's like a lesson to be learned there. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think. There was something... I had that with Brussels sprouts. I went, like, mm. years thinking I hated Brussels sprouts when I don't think I ever really tried them. Yeah, and plus, that's one of the things that if you cook it poorly, it just tastes like farts. Like, if you just, like, boil Brussels yeah. sprouts, they yeah. don't taste like anything. They just taste like farts, so they're not good. But, like, a deep-fried Brussels sprout or a roasted Brussels sprout yeah. is, like... Some olive oil. Fuck me all the way pepper. up. They're delicious. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're so good. I think that it's, I think like everything, like really everything is good. It's just personal preference. Yeah. I don't like the idea of calling things gross. I don't know if there's anything that's objectively gross. Except for oysters. Yeah, I think, I think oysters are nasty. They're objectively gross. Okay. I'm going to move on now to the other fixed parts of this stupid podcast the first of which is i'm gonna ask you uh questions that i found on a website and these are supposed to be tinder opening line questions (laughs) so they're all terrible um what is the thing that you are worst at in life that you wish you were better at um i don't know how to ride a bike is that right never did as a kid i tried briefly a few years ago and Gave up very quickly. I have that with um, cartwheels. I've never done a cartwheel. I used to, but I feel like I would probably injure myself if I tried now. It's one of those things, like, there are certain things that you have to do first as a child, because as a child, you have no fear. Well, and one of the things, when I cover these high school games, it is truly fascinating watching the cheerleaders do, like, ten cartwheel flips in a row. Yeah, right? Like, it, it kind of scares me. It should scare you. It's scary. <laughs> but like when you're young, you don't have any fear about anything. Like a few years ago, I tried to learn how to ski and I made my little sister take like the intro ski class at like the little ski place that mm-hmm. we were at. And it was like us and a bunch of like seven year olds. <laughs> <laughs> and like the kids, like the people would tell them to do something and the kids would just do it because they weren't scared of falling down and they weren't like scared of breaking and, and, their leg. Yeah. And if you don't, go into it scared it's gonna work out exactly so it's like yeah riding a bike might be one of those things that you have to kind of learn when you're not you don't have any fear of hurting yourself because you're a child and you don't know any better yet i refuse at age 34 to fall down riding a bike yeah no nobody wants to do that people would see you that's why i don't rollerblade (laughs) If I rollerbladed, I would absolutely fall down at least once and someone oh, would absolutely. see me. It would be horrible. Okay. Next question. Oh, this is my favorite one because it's ridiculous. If there was a movie about your life, and I know you have a couple of pups, there was a movie about your life and your dog had a voiceover, who would play the dog? Hmm. 
I'm going to go with Owen Wilson. Okay. I don't know why, but that's who we're going to go with. I, I like it. I always thought my dog would have sounded like, um, what's his name? Like, just like a big, goofy doofus my dog was. He was just like a big, dumb, happy yellow lab. <laughs> so he would have needed a real, like, bleh kind yeah. of voice. Yeah, I'm trying to think of somebody that would fit for that. I know. I had someone in my head, and it, like, totally left my brain because, of course, it did. Um, but, yeah, it's not important. I don't have him anymore anyway. Um, let's see. Last thing. If you could live anywhere, where would it be? I don't know. I mean, I've, I live where I live now, and I'm content with it, so. Um, Do you live there? It's true. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I feel like any, I feel like it's hard to get a grasp on wanting to live elsewhere without kind of being forced into it, because anytime you visit elsewhere, it's generally for like vacation purposes, which is yeah. never a good um, tell of actually living somewhere. Yeah. I did that though. It worked out okay. Yeah. Um, it just, I mean, you have to kind of, you have to really know. And also, you know, like living other places, I have found, so I never moved away from home like ever. I went to college in Delaware. I grew up in Delaware, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Um, so I kind of expected that like moving away would make things very different, but like everywhere is pretty much the same. Yeah. You just don't see as many people you know and whatnot. Yeah. So th- I just, I just don't have any friends. <laughs> like, life is exactly the same. I just have nobody to hang out with. <laughs> so yeah, that's a thing. Um, last thing we're going to do is um, a really, f- we're going to do a fuck, Mary kill. Okay. The last segment show. I like to tailor them for the guests. So you are going to get to fuck, Mary kill members of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Not necessarily now, but like kind of like an all time. So <clears throat> Darius Kasparitis. Okay. Paul Coffey. Mark Rickey. <laughs> Probably Mary Paul Coffey. Okay. Um, I feel like one of these is going to get put on kill by default because I don't really dislike any of them. That's usually how it happens. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I do really like Darius Kasparitis. I thought you might say that. That's why I wanted to include him. Um, He was just a badass. Yeah, and I mean, like, there's a reason why I hate Absolutely be canceled in the current NHL. Oh, God. Yeah. I mean, a lot of players. I mean, like, there's a reason why I hate. Yeah. Like, I hate Darius Kasparaitis. And that's why you love Darius Kasparaitis. Like, it's, you know. Yeah, I don't love him because of the brutal hit he had on Eric Lindros in 1999, though. Um, no. Because I actually, I actually really liked Eric Lindros. Like, when I was a kid, he was so good that he was, like, one of those guys that you wanted to be when you were playing. Like, mm-hmm. when I was... So, probably around that time, Mario Lemieux hadn't been playing. 
and hadn't come back mm-hmm. yet. At that point, it was probably like around the league. It was like you had your really good guys in the Red Wings, like Steve Eiserman and Sergei Fedorov. You had Eric Lindros, Keith Kachuk. Like those were your stars and loser Jeremy right. Ron. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so probably fuck Darius Kasparitis because he's awesome. Honestly, I would probably I would probably do that too because I feel like he um would really give it to you. <laughs> I mean, from a hockey standpoint, um the for a guy who scored like four goals, he had that overtime game winner against the Sabres where he just completely burned Dominic Hasek in the playoffs. It's like mm-hmm. of all people to score a goal in overtime, you never expect that guy to score. You um, so don't. that probably leaves Mark Ricky on the kill, um, which I, I don't dislike him at all, but he's just being left out. I like that result because I fucking hate Mark Recchi. <laughs> <laughs> that worked out well for me personally. <laughs> I, I do remember when he when he played for the Penguins after the lockout, he was so slow, which I think he's still in the organization yeah. as a coach now, an assistant coach. Yes, he is. I thought so. Yeah. I hate him because I have constructed a narrative in my head in which he is the reason that Bill Barber got fired when he was the coach of the Flyers. (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea if it's correct or not, but I've just decided that that's how it happened. So I hate Mark Recchi. Mark Recchi is... you, You actually could make a nice list of players who have played for both the Penguins and Flyers. You could. Oh, that's a content idea. I'm stealing yeah. that. There's 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 a good handful of players. Yeah, there are actually. Now that I, mean, I think about it. I mean, especially if you if you go back even further, you had Rick Tockett join the Penguins right before they won their second cup. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I love a content idea. Thank you. You got if it. If nothing else, <laughs> if nothing else, <laughs> you might get a few clicks on broadstreethockey.com because Mike Darnay gave us an idea. There you go. <laughs> All right, Mike, that's all I have for you. Thank you so much for doing this. No problem. It was fun. Yeah, so uh, everyone, enjoy the rest of your day or week. Stay inside, wash your hands. Go Flyers. No.